You are listening to the Rooted Ministry Podcast, a conversation advancing gospel-centered ministry to youth. This episode was recorded at a workshop session at our 2018 conference in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information about Rooted, visit our website at www.rootedministry.com. My first church was right outside of Charleston, South Carolina. I knew Dave there. And um, and there was a, a young couple. They were kind of an up-and-coming couple in the church, and they... Um, uh, he was on the on the vestry or the session, and and they um, they uh, he had a, a, a contracting business that looked really successful, and um, but it was you know it was a small business, and and as he tells the story, he um, shared the gospel with one of the people he was building a home for, and that person, hey Robbie, come on in. Um, that person didn't like that and started being a real um, thorn in the side and ended up suing uh, ended up suing this friend and it was this incredibly long ordeal uh, and really painful he lost his business he lost his house um, he ended up, he spent a night in jail and it just went on and on uh, and on. And, and again, I only knew one side of the story, but it just was this really, as a, as a young pastor, it was really, really painful. And I remember um, reading through the Psalms, um, you know, like if you're reading, going through the Bible in a year and you're, you read a little Old Testament, a little New Testament and, and a Psalm, you know, and, and every day thinking, Oh, this family needs to read this, and then the next day, this family needs to read this, and just really realizing that that the um, the this what they they needed the comfort that came from the Psalms, um, specifically, not just not just Scripture uh, as a whole, and so um, I have often since then sort of prescribed. Um, prescribe the the psalms to folks who are really going through peer, long periods of of suffering to say just spend time in psalm. We heard David Choi last night talking about his depression in the summer, and he just I was just bathing in the psalms, and that was really um, great. There was um, I saw an article recently about a, um, a a Christian music couple, the the Gungers. Do you know Do you know the Gungers? And um, the Gungers lived uh, in this sort of fundamental Christian world and had been taught that if you uh, have, live a good life, then God will give you a, a good life. And, and they experienced some extraordinary suffering um, around, I believe it was not being able to have children, and then they had some kids, one of them had special needs. and uh, they, they had essentially been taught a transactional faith, and so when they didn't get what they wanted, that life became very hard and disappointing. They lost their faith. I think he lost it completely, and she just kind of has uh, is holding on um, by the fingertips um, and, and finding mercy. But it just it wasn't. They didn't have a faith that could survive crisis. Um, 
in a nutshell, I think heartbreak is why Jesus came. Uh, and you can slice that a, a lot of different ways. Uh, but heartbreak is why Jesus came. Um, you might be here because you need to know pastorally, like how to how to help people, or you might be here because you are experiencing some sort of heartbreak, and if you haven't, you will, or if you, you already have, uh, or if you're not right now. Um, and, and in student ministry, it may be that, it, or, or as a parent, it may be you know that your child is has left Christianity at least for this season, is, or is uh, finding themselves in addiction, is dating someone that you think is is toxic. Um, you know, it may not be around a child. It could be your, your a sickness or a, um, a job or you know just whatever it is. Let me just just say that I'm, I'm really sorry if you're going through that right now. Um, and, and I often have said that that Psalm 23, uh, I'll, I, that I wish that it promised that he would keep us out of the valley of the shadow. Mm-hmm. And, and he doesn't. He just promises to walk with us through it. Um, so this is a class about taking comfort in the Psalms when your life gets hard. It's just not about getting out of the hard. Um, and it's not a class to to show you a few verses that might be of of comfort. Um, It is, uh, I'm suggesting that reading the Psalms in big chunks is comforting and healing and uh, fortifying and instructive. Uh, And those aren't like four points, but I just think to, to read the Psalms in big chunks, not just tacked on to a New Testament or um, not just with a few one-off verses, but but swaths of of the Psalms, we find comfort and healing and fortification uh, and instruction. Uh, the Psalms are emotional, like they're just they they you they span the spectrum of emotions, super high highs and super low lows. Um, the Psalms, there are Psalms that you can identify with in basically whatever you're going through. And I'm not suggesting either that you pick and to try to find, oh, you know what, I need is Psalm 106 today, but tomorrow I may need Psalm uh, 74. Um, that's, that's not what I, again, systematically in large chunks, but, but you will come up with Psalms that you can identify with. Psalms that, um, in a time of crisis teach you how to lift your eyes, uh, to heaven. Um, Psalms that remind you of what praise looks like when you are in a dark place. Even do the work of offering praise to God. Uh, when you don't feel like praising God. Um, so let me ask this: What what are the Psalms? Poetry. Poetry. Yeah, yeah. For sure, they're poetry. What else? The writer being brutally honest sometimes. Super, super honest. Yeah, I love that. Sometimes raw and unfiltered. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, the Hebrew title of the Psalms, uh, I don't, I, I think I'm pronouncing it right, is uh, Telehim, means praises. Uh, it's kind of the original book of com- common prayer, the original <laughs> hymnal of God's people. Um, and so th- fundamentally the Psalms are, are prayer. And as prayer, the Psalms are God's, um, they're, hu- I'm sorry, they're human words spoken to God. Um, think, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or, uh, better is one day in your courts than a thousand 
elsewhere. These are the Psalms are human words to God. They are prayer, uh, and you might say that they're meditation because they, uh, the psalmists also speak to uh, to other people. Um, they speak uh, to themselves. Um, but whatever they are, the psalms are human words spoken to God. Uh, they are prayer. But of course, the psalms are also scripture. And therefore, they are also God's words spoken to us. Right? They're God's words spoken to his people. They are divine revelation uh, uh, to humanity about human experience. They're divine revelation to humanity about human experience. Um, specifically, they're divine revelation to fallen humanity about the breadth of the emotional experience of a walk with God through a fallen world. So, in that sense, the um, the Psalms are instruction. They are Torah. Uh, they are not simply empathetic, you know, about the human experience. They're instructive about the approach of the faithful to their human experience. They're Torah, but they're not bullet points. They're, they, they let us in and they show us, here's how you yell at God. Here's how you praise God. Here's how you keep praying when it feels like God is devastatingly silent. And here's how you navigate your life with faith. Um. And so we find a friend in the Psalms, um, but not just a friend. We find a pastor teacher. Remember in um, Ephesians where Paul says that some are given to be apostles, some are given to be prophets, some evangelists, and some not pastors and teachers as if those are separate, but in Greek it's the same word, the pastor teacher. So we have a pastoral teacher uh, in the Psalms who will walk with us through life's tragedies and, and triumphs. Um, sometimes we don't want Philippians 4. Um, Whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is noble, think on these things. Like We just need um, to cry. Uh, We need Scripture's empathy, not its command. Now, we do, of course, need Scripture's command. I don't mean we don't need it, but emotionally we feel like we need empathy. And you find that in the Psalms. Um, This book uh, was... Commended to me by a friend, uh, Mark Gillette, uh, by a guy named J. Clinton McCann, the, a theological introduction to the book of Psalms. And I found it really helpful in preparing for this time. Uh, he says this, The Psalms proclaim God's reign and invite people to live under God's rules. So did Jesus. The Psalms offer, in, offer instruction for what it means to trust God and to live under God's reign. So did Jesus one of whose primary titles was teacher. In other words, both the instruction of the Psalms and the teaching of Jesus call the hearer to decide now to live under God's rule and to await the consummation of God's rule. To decide now to, to wait, I mean, to live under God's rule and to await the consummation of God's rule. Um, he, he says, it's, it's, the Psalms are eschatological uh, in that sense. Um, so I'm not talking about I'm not going to talk much about Jesus, but but if you understand, we're talking about the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, Martin Luther said this. He said, The Psalter might well be entitled a little Bible, wherein everything contained in the entire Bible is beautifully 
and briefly comprehended and compacted into an enchiridion. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. It's like cliff notes. That's what. Essentially, essentially the Psalter of the cliff notes of the Bible. He said, It seems to me as if the Holy Ghost has been pleased to take on himself the trouble of putting together a short Bible or book of exemplars touching the whole of Christianity or all the saints in order that they who are unable to read the whole Bible may nevertheless find almost the whole sum comprehended in one little book. The Psalter is the very paragon of books or like the epitome. So the story in here of Natan Sharansky. And he was a Soviet uh, Jew, a Soviet Jew. He was jailed in 1977 for speaking out in favor of the right to immigrate from the Soviet Union, uh, advocating free speech and refusing to cooperate with Soviet authorities. 1977. He was subject to a horrible ordeal, including periods of solitary confinement, near starvation, when he was finally released in 1986, so nine, nine years, the one possession he carried to freedom was a copy of the Book of Psalms in Hebrew. Shortly before his release, Soviet guards had confiscated the book, returning it only after Sharansky lay down in the snow and refused to take another step. The book had been a gift from his wife, Avital. The book of Psalms that she had given him turned out to be Sharansky's source of strength during his imprisonment. Someone review, He wrote an autobiography, and someone in reviewing his autobiography uh, wrote this, Sharansky's spiritual resources were even more remarkable. For comfort and guidance, he memorized the Psalms in Hebrew and chanted them often. Like another mathematician before him, Archimedes, he reckoned that with a place to stand on, he could move the earth. Sharansky's story has nothing to do with naive optimism or self-righteous legalism. It has everything to do with delighting in and meditating on Torah. It has everything to do with being open to God's instruction. It has everything to do with being open to God's presence in the face of unimaginable opposition and open to God's power to transform the most hopeless of situations. In short, it has everything to do with having a place to stand. For Sharansky, the book of Psalms functioned precisely as its editors intended, both to open the faithful to God's guidance and instruction and to serve as a source of that instruction. The Psalms enabled Sharansky to maintain what he referred to as his spiritual independence against the kingdom of lies. Um, I thought it was just a powerful story of a man holding on to the Psalms in the midst of really, really difficult um, life circumstances. Um, and so when we feel like that, trapped in life circumstances, like, I mean, maybe not, hopefully not like that, but hopeless in the face of a teen's behavior or drug addiction or hopeless in the face of parents who can never be pleased or uh, in the face of kids who seem completely indifferent to the gospel, um, what I want to, you to hear is that the Psalms are a unique intersection in Scripture because they are both human words to God and divine words to humanity. Um, because they are so often raw with instruction, they are Torah uh, to us in the midst of our heartbreak. Uh, the Psalms know you. 
Um, the Psalms know you, and you may not, you know, like David, you may not actually be in a cave hiding from people who want to kill you, but you do feel uh, like that. You know, you don't. Uh, and what I love about the Psalms is they don't always rush to praise. Um, they give patient voice to the heartbreak, um, rather than attempt to chastise us or lift us too quickly out of the predicament. They pastorally, gently, and gradually lift our gaze. Um, so let me read Psalm 44. You can follow along with me if you've got your, got your Bible. Some of these verses you'll uh, probably recognize. Um, they're quoted in, in Romans. Oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, you, for you delighted in them. And you are my king, O God. Ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise upon us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put us to shame and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. Now at this point, I mean, the, the, the author has been looking backwards, but he takes a dramatic turn right here. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me and shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you. We have not been false to your covenant. Our heart is not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way, yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not discover this? For He knows the secrets of, your, of the heart. Yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face 
Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. And it ends there. And I think it is amazing that a psalm like this would be allowed into the canon of Scripture. Because it just ends. Why are you so far away? I heard what you did for our fathers, but we are getting waxed over here. And for your sake, we are being killed all the day, all the day long, like sheep to the slaughter. And there is, there is never, it does not end with, but I will praise the Lord. It just ends. And I just think it's amazing that the Holy Scripture, the Holy Spirit has seen fit to acknowledge this vacuous experience of God. Scripture says that this is not unusual to the sufferer. Now, if that was the only psalm, if that was all of Scripture, that would be terrible. It would just leave us right in our despair. But it doesn't do that. But it does, at least it just, I just love that it acknowledges that emotion without rushing us to praise. Um, So you might pray a lament for your situation, or you might be walking with someone uh, pastorally who is lamenting their situation, and you look back and say, I remember God's steadfast love, but where has it gone? And you just don't feel like, but I will now praise the Lord. And God's divine revelation to us lets you acknowledge that. Um, We get the despair acknowledged without the Psalms rushing to praise, but we also see the Torah. We also see how the Psalms, as they are constructed and put together, move from despair to faithful hope because they don't leave us in our despair. That's why I I want large chunks they do show us what the process looks like to turn our eyes upon Jesus and to look whole in His wonderful grace. Um, the Psalms appeal to God's past faithfulness a lot. I remember what you did. You were the God who brought us up out of Egypt um, over and over again. You are the God of our fathers. Um, and, they, and also, they often appeal to they appeal to God to His own glory. What are the people going to think about you if you don't do something about this? And I think that's really instructive for us in, in a time of lament. That um, I can look back and see what I know God has done in my life and how He has gotten me through trials like this. Even if this is the worst I've ever been in, I know that He is look at his, both his word and my experience and know that he has walked me through times like this. And I can appeal to God for his own glory. What are you doing? I don't see how you're going to get glory from this. Um, I had a, a friend in college who uh, went through a really down, uh, sort of questioning, just dark time away, either a dark time in her faith or just a period away from faith. And, and as she was trying to come back, she just, it just felt plastic to her, but she really longed for it. And a friend had a very wise word that I've never forgotten. He said, walk in what you know. Just walk in what you know. Don't try to add anything. Just walk in what you know. In other words, recall what God has done for you. And um, and I think the Psalms show us how to, how to do that.
um, the empathy that the Psalms offer are a divine comfort to us. So when God seems distant, whether life has gotten hard or you feel guilt or shame from your own sin, whatever it is, um, we see Psalms, uh, like we're, now we're going to look at Psalm 28, where the psalmist is determined to praise the Lord even when God feels so distant. So let me read Psalm 28, and I'll ask you sort of toward, to sort of uh, reflect uh, on it. <coughs> For what, ten, ten minutes or so? About ten more minutes. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me. Lest if you call, let, I'm sorry. Lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. I mean, you just see the raw emotion of the, the bum rap this person has gotten with their um, the people that should be treating them well. They're so put out and they're just asking God to judge them, essentially. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of His hands, He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord. For He has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to Him. The Lord is the strength of His people. He is the saving refuge of His anointed O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. The psalmist David, this is the psalm of David, is walking in what he knows. He is completely frustrated. He's completely deflated uh, by these relationships and whatever is going wrong in the face of something he doesn't understand. And he is um, walking in what he knows. So, what I mean, what what do you... Here, when you hear a psalm like Psalm 28, what is the psalmist facing? I guess he he feels that there there's injustice at the moment, perhaps. Mm-hmm. There's injustice, yep. Anything else? There's fear in the face of what might happen. Don't drag me off with the wicked. Um... In his in his current situation, the, the psalmist feels it feels like the Lord is deaf is deaf to his prayers. Be not deaf to my prayers, he says. Um, but he moves to blessed be the Lord, for he has heard my pleas for mercy. Um, 
he is rehearsing to himself what he knows to be true beyond what it feels like is true. And that's instructive for us. He's rehearsing to himself what it what he knows to be true beyond what it feels like is true. Um, so I'm Episcopalian and um, actually Whitney, what what denomination do you come from? Baptist. Baptist. So all of us are Anglicans, and you're you're are Baptist. So, um, I uh, when I was in um, college, I was really uh, in a pre- mostly Presbyterian, but we um, we uh, I went to this. Uh, I was on staff with this group, and and there was a woman there who I would have assumed would have been a Presbyterian, but she actually told me she was worshiping in. Episcopal Church, and she had um, uh, she had breast cancer, and I said, "Why? I mean, like, why are you going to the Episcopal Church when you could go to a Presbyterian church?" I figured like that was God's church. I mean, like, why? Why would she? Uh, and that was my own obviously naive baggage. But um, she said this. She said, um, "As I battle cancer, uh, I find that I cannot pray very often." And those prayers, I mean, see, I thought the, of the liturgical prayers, the old prayers, and that seemed inauthentic, it seemed stale. Um, she said, those prayers pray for me. And that really was very actually helpful and informative in my own life. But, um, but the Psalms do the same thing. They pray for us when we uh, can't pray. Um, they articulate the hurt that we're feeling. They articulate praise in a way that can be really helpful when we find it hard to praise God. We want we want to, but it's just not there. It's not inside of us, and so the Psalms put it outside of us, which is really can be really helpful. Um, sometimes praise seems like a distant dream, and the Psalms remind us of what it is. Um, it's like to, to praise God when it's when that seems so far away. Um, when I was in seminary, a lot of us were getting, uh, well, a lot of our wives were getting pregnant, and um, and there was one family whose son was developing in the womb without a skull, and he was going to die, obviously. And so I can remember a time where two of the wives, the pregnant wives, were talking, and then that mom walked up and they stopped because they didn't know what to say. And what she said was so wonderful. She said, please keep talking about your healthy baby. It reminds me that this isn't all there is. I love hearing about your healthy babies. It gives me hope. And and I, there was such maturity in that. But such in such strength, but such truth. And the Psalms remind us of what it's like to praise God when when praise seems so far away. Thanks for listening to the Rooted Podcast, where we hope to communicate the truths of the gospel and apply those truths to youth ministry. We would love for you to check out our website where we publish articles daily geared towards both youth ministers and parents. You will also find resources and more information about our conferences, regional events, and more at www.rootedministry.com.